0: A, B, M. it's headphones. Your host as always, headphones Neil. So for this particular episode, it's going to be a lot of quick catch-up and roundup of things that I started, finished, and things like that. So it's not going to be a particularly long episode like the particular like uh, recent ones, but I kind of wanted to round out um, things that I've been watching, games I've been played, and shows I'm watching, and things like that. So to start it off with the film for this week, I had a chance to finally re-watch GoldenEye after playing the N64 version of the game um, to see kind of how they did, why it's in such high praise and all of that. And I actually wanna say that the video game holds what the film does or did in such a high regard. They mimic a lot of what you see in the movie into the game. So things like the level called Control, the dam level, the, um, the train that they're on, the laser that you have to use when you're on the train, all the different guns and enemies, and all of that different stuff is translated very well into the game from the movie, so it kind of fills in a lot of the back-end transition stuff that you see, so when you're playing the game, it is actually as if you're in the movie, you know, minus the uh, maybe the sound effects, were a lot more or less the graphics so um, I actually now appreciate a lot more what the game did for its time granted it is a, um, a piece of its time but when you're playing through the game and keeping in mind that it is from you know the late 90s early 2000s it is actually a really good game so I definitely go recommend going back to watch the movie and then playing the game or vice versa either way works but when you're playing the game, you will see how good they translated a lot of what you see in the movie into the game to make you feel as if you are James Bond. So. Um, I kind of wanted to just give that update to um, share with you you guys that I'm now impressed and I'm all all in on board with the game, even though there are certain parts that are kind of weird when you're playing it on mobile, but for the most part, it is an actually really good game and worth a replay. Um, Just to catch up on it if you haven't played it in some time, but definitely play it if you've never played it before, just to kind of see what all the fuzz, hubbub, popularity and all the praise that it gets is all about. Um, So with that being said, um, for the next little bit of update, it was more just a personal thing where I am a fan of the band Metallica and apparently this week they released a new album called 72 Seasons. So, something that I've been meaning to do and that I put on the back burner is go back and listen to their album Master of Puppets for the first time. Reading a little bit online, it's supposedly their first commercially successful album, even though technically it is the third album that the band put out. So. I had a chance to listen to the album, and overall, it's a very, it is very good. Even though it is a remastered version, you can still tell at times that it is uh, um, recorded in I think the early '80s. So you know things like you know the deeper um, bass and drums, and some of the high points are still a little bit off. But with that in mind, when you're listening to when you listen to the album, and then you come forward and listen to 72 Seasons. 72 Seasons actually feels like a good modernization of the album. It's still a good rock album, it's very solid, the audio and sounds are now much more equalized and balanced and deeper and richer and all of that. So if you're a fan of the band Metallica, if you're a rock fan or just a fan of music, then I definitely recommend listening to both just because they are that good of albums. Um, I do now want to go back and listen to the Metallica. I think it's called the Black Album, whichever one Enter Sandman is on, just to see if I can appreciate that a little bit more or differently now that I've listened to these two albums. Uh, next up, I did have a chance to um, play the Resurrection campaign for Star Wars Battlefront 2. So this is the add-on campaign that uh, finishes up and rounds up off the story that happens in... The main single-player campaign for Battlefront 2. So even though you would think the story ends with Aiden and Dell falling in love and all of that, you know, happily ever after, you do get that you know kind of post-credit scene of Kylo Ren finding Dell by way of Hask. And so you kind of think, okay, well, they might do a separate game, but they kind of did what, like I think I mentioned a lot on the last episode that. Um, They did what TV shows do that once a TV show ends and then they come out with the movie after. That's kind of what the resurrection campaign does here is that it fills in some of the additional backstory. So um, the I I forget the alien guy's name, but he tells Iden that Hask has found out about them. He's captured Del, he's dead and all of that. So Iden, her daughter, and that guy, the alien guy go out to find out what Project uh, Resurrection is all about, what they're hiding, what's going on, and find out what information um, Dell died to protect. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?" So, um, you, the three missions that you go on are to find out that information. Um, they learn about Project Resurrection, Resurrection the, that the First Order is recording, recruiting kids to build up their army. They built up this new Dreadnought um, Super Star Destroyer um, and all of that so they get the plans to relay over to the Resistance, the new base they're working in and all of that. In the process, Aiden and Hask die in their final confrontation, but at least her daughter and the alien guy escape to get to the get the plans over to the first resist or to the resistance. So it kind of fills in that backstory of how they know about the um, base and the um, plans and all of that stuff. So it kind of does also what Rogue One does for A New Hope, that it fills in that backstory a little bit more of that backstory for the plans that are found, the um, events that set into motion, the things that we see in the film. So overall it is a good add-on campaign and definitely worth playing. It's not quite as lengthy or hard as the main campaign but it does serve as that good uh, round off to finish off um, and finish up the story that started in the main campaign. So if you've never played it before I definitely recommend checking it out. So before we jump into the Main review for the Mandalorian season 3 finale. I did want to give a bonus update that um, I had a chance to watch, or sorry, not watch, but listen to an album called The Songs of Tony Sly, a tribute. So, this is kind of a cover album that was released years ago, I think around 2003, after the passing of Tony Sly, the singer for No Use for a Name. and I thought I would give it a listen, see how it is, see how the covers are, and you know how they put together the tribute. And overall, it is a very good cover album. So even if uh, he had not, if even if it wasn't under the um, events of his passing, it is a very good cover album to show the depth of the catalog that No Use for a Name and Tony Sly put out. So I definitely recommend uh, listening to it. Uh, the two tracks that stand out are. Um, International U-Day by Joey Cape, and then um, Straight From The Jacket by Alkaline Trio. I actually liked those two quite a bit, along with the piano cover of International U-Day. Um, all of the tracks in general were done very well, but those just stood out as the ones that um, felt really, really well done. So um, I definitely recommend listening to the album. It's very good, it's a good tribute to Tony Slice. so I just wanted to kind of put that out there. So with that being said, uh, we now have the season three of The Mandalorian under our belt. The season finale is called The Return, and I want to say that overall the um, episode um, rounds out what kind of was an arc that started out in Star Wars The Clone Wars animated series where... Um, we have you know events like the siege of Mandalore, uh, the Duchess of Mandalore story arc, which was before that. So, kind of the Mandalorians were on a general downfall with the rise of with the uh, Clone Wars, the rise of the Empire, and all of that stuff. So we have the Mandalorian now having the Mandalorian people reclaiming their home planet, learning that life can still grow, and that and that the Empire was not truly able to destroy everything. So. It kind of creates a starting point for, or a restarting point for the Mandalorian culture. Kind of what Din and Bo-Katan were talking a couple of episodes prior, or in the last one where they talk about how the Mandalorians have always come back because they're stronger together. We have the defeat of Moff Gideon, who was um, stealing Force-sensitive children to um, not only clone himself but to add Force powers to himself to become the ultimate warrior which now I'm really curious to see if he was able to steal that information from the Emperor's um, or the Empire's personal records or if he already had access to that and all of that stuff. But with his death and the Mandalorians retraking their planet, it kind of rounds out all of that information of all the stuff that's been going on over all of these years. So um, overall it was a good finale. Um, I was a little bit disappointed, I will admit that we didn't get things like a preview of Thrawn in the post credit scenes or something, or more depth as to um, how Moff Gideon got the information that he did, I wouldn't have minded an extra you know, 15 minutes or 10 minutes in this episode to see that information, that explanation, kind of fill on that trope of how he got that information, maybe even get a call in from, or have that call between Uh, Gideon and Thrawn about what's going on that he needs to come back or something like that to fill in that piece but even without that it's very well done Um, I do like that Din took up um, that Republic uh, pilot's offer of protecting the Republic but as a freelance mercenary he's going to take jobs whenever he wants to not only train Grogu but also protect the Outer Rim so I'm kind of curious to see what kind of adventures they bring up Um, in future seasons if they have future seasons but the season three finale kind of rounds out this Mandalorian story arc very well as far as what uh, Din is up to the Mandalorian people and tying out all the stuff that happened um, in the Clone Wars um, and post-Clone Wars with the Mandalorians and the Empire. So that's all there is for this particular episode. So if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or anything like that, you can com- uh, comment on this post on any of the social media sites I'm on, all of which can be found on the website at um, which also has subscription links, ways to support the show, and all of that good stuff. And of course, if you want to get an ad-free version of the show, along with early access to it before it goes out on the public feeds, you can support the show on Patreon at Patreon com Slash Patel in zero one. But thanks for tuning into this particular episode. And until next time,
1: hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.